Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. The word of God will give you results that... No one and nothing else can give you. My name is Mose, and I'm glad, honored to be bringing the message today. I'll start with a few words of prophecy, a few prophetic words. Uh, one, this one came yesterday during preparation of this message, that there is going to be extraordinary victories. Now, some of you are going to say, yeah, that's what preachers say. That, that's preachers, not me. <laughs> Extraordinary victories. What does that mean? It means that you've had some victories in life before, but then the ones you're going to have will make the other victories look like Nazareth school victories. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And, and by the way, this word is for believers. The non-believers, that's okay. You can either receive, uh, believe and receive or doubt and do without. I choose to believe and receive and that there's going to be extraordinary victories, the kind which are completely astounding. You will tell, baffling, that's the word, befuddling. You will tell people and they'll be like, what? 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 One more time? So, extraordinary victories are coming your way. Someone who is listening to this, you've been praying and God has spoken to you this word, so I'm confirming it. Just a little bit of a word of wisdom about prophetic words. Prophetic words don't necessarily start things off. Prophetic words confirm what God has already been speaking to you. Your primary source of word from God is the word of God. When God speaks to you through his word or when God speaks to you by himself. And then we people who operate in the prophetic, we come and say something and you confirm it. And in the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter is what? is established. Once you confirm it and you latch onto it, you start walking in it. So that's why when we say it, it's not for everyone, but some people know that's the word I've been waiting for. So, extraordinary victories. Uh, this morning as we were in worship right here in, in the studio, I heard the word massive healings. Massive healings. Like, I've never even put those two words together. Like, how can healings be massive? But that's what I had. And my role is not to try to make, make it make sense to you because whoever that word is for understands it at a spiritual level. By the way, today the one I'm going to preach might even offend some. So get your, what do they call those other things? Offense uh, shock absorbers on because... I'm preaching about Christ. And when you start preaching about Christ, some people get blessed, some people cast stones. But Christ we shall preach, we, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Third word is God affirmations. God is affirming some people. You've sought to be affirmed by people. You call everyone daddy. As long as they have a beard, chichi daddy. What? Kwegamba, you have a father hall. You, you are looking for affirmation so much. You are so compelled.
fugitive. And it's not bad, but the motive. And God is affirming some people today. God is saying, my son, my daughter, I love you. I affirm you. I'm interested in you. I like you. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Lastly, this is a word of wisdom. I thank God that the program managers today really, they gave me enough time so I can get through this before I start preaching. The last word is, it's a word of wisdom. Cultivate your mind. Cultivate your mind. Don't be deceived into thinking that whatever is in your mind is what should be there. The same way you cultivate a garden, you can cultivate your mind. For some of you, your mind, assume that your mind is 100 acres of land. Maybe that's too much for Kampala people. You've never seen even one acre. So let me reduce it to 10 acres of land. Your mind is 10, a 10-acre 10 piece of land. But the only part that you've cultivated is only one acre. And so in your whole life, you're getting results of one acre. Now, those results may be so good that even your friends are impressed by you. So I teach finances. So let me put it in financial terms. Let's say you're at a stage where you're making 10 million shillings a month, okay? And look, all your expenses, chikalai, chikomando, and chapati, plus a few other things. Your expenses are like 4 million, 2, 3 million. So you have a lot of disposable income. All your friends, when they are broke, they know which number to call. You are the one who... Eh? because you're making 10 million. But you've never stopped to imagine that on heaven's agenda, you probably should be making 100 million a month. <laughs> and what does it take to go from 10 to 100? You cultivate your mind. You first renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. End of word of wisdom, whoever it is has understood, I must preach the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, what care you? Hey, hey, hey. Can you give me some lyrics of In Christ Alone? Because I don't think I know them all. In Christ Alone, my hope is built. He is my light, my strength. My song, my, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving is my comforter, keep the rhythm, my all in all, hearing the love of Christ, I stand. Let me sing it again. Verse 1 In Christ alone. My hope is found, yeah. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. 
from through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my holy knows in the love of Christ I stand my comforter my comforter my holy knows here in the love of Christ I stand hallelujah Some of my family members possess a grainy black and white picture of me. I'm not in possession of it right now, but I've ever seen it. And that picture, it's the earliest picture of my life that I've ever seen in the picture. I'm a baby, and I have this, this baby picture of me. Some of you grow up in times where you already had colored photography. In our times when we were growing up, it was purely black and white. Even then, it wasn't that clear. But the picture is there, and I've been shown that picture before, and the claim is that the baby in the picture is yours truly. The story goes that the day the picture was taken is the day I was baptized in the Anglican tradition. So armed with that evidence of that picture, or rather having seen the picture, anyone who tried to bring up the issue of baptism did not succeed with me because I stood on the evidence of that picture and told everybody I was baptized so leave me alone so this unfortunate situation went on for a long time all the way to when we started this church and I was the pastor of the church and then came the discipleship evangelism course and along the way we had to learn about baptism. Now, thankfully, I, uh, at that point, you know, usually what people do when their argument is not good enough, they raise the volume. But in that setting, there was no opportunity to raise the volume. We, I was confronted by the scriptures and convicted about the fact that I needed to be baptized in water. Baptism, the word baptism, comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge completely. So off we went with the good old JK, John Cato, to Chisubi Beach, and we all got baptized. I was the pastor, and one of my congregants was baptizing me. JK, I know you are watching. God bless you so much. I don't, that's why you're John Cato, the Baptist. I don't know what my spiritual life would be like if you had not never come into my life and brought the discipleship evangelism course. So I, so I tell this story to tell you that many of us hang on to many traditions that compromise our work with Jesus. We are good people, we have right motives. But some of us have not allowed the word of God to change our thinking. We bend the word of God to suit our thinking. 
Now, that's not healthy at all. And so today, as we go through this message, I want you to keep thinking about the fact that the centrality of Christ and his word and how you and I need to be able to adjust to that word if we are going to live in incredible victory as he has designed us for. I told you today I will not be too politically correct. I've probably lost some people with that story, but I recover you in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, we've been going through Colossians. This is the fifth episode of our Colossians study. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 1, Paul writes and says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So he continues his discourse or conversation with this line. And this looks like a very innocent line. In fact, I read it very innocently for a long time until I had to sit down and prepare this message. Then it it lost its innocence. So, back to the story. A guy called Epaphras. Epaphras. Epaphras was from this church in Colossae. Paul had never been to Colossae, but Paul had been to Ephesus, and while in Ephesus, he carried out very powerful ministry, and people came from all over that Asian, Asia Minor to, to Ephesus to hear Paul and be discipled by him, and then they went back to where they came from, and they started planting these churches. So two of these churches were the church of Colossae and Laodicea. These were churches that were not planted uh, by Paul, but they were planted by people who had listened to Paul. And it is believed that Epaphras probably planted the Colossian church. So, and these two cities were close to each other. Colossae was a bigger city at first, but then it was overtaken by Laodicea. I don't know which parts of Uganda look like that. So Laodicea was now the bigger city, and Colossae was this small town. So he's right he so while in the course of time, of course, you know, Paul was arrested and was taken to Rome. So he's writing this from Rome because Epaphras went to visit him in Rome and tell him some of the issues they were having in the church at Colossae. So now this letter is Paul's response to the church, and he instructs that the letter should be read both in Colossae and in Laodicea. All right? Are we together? So, this is the, the conversation. So he says, I want you to know, he's writing with the Colossians, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. Can you imagine a man who is under house arrest in, in Rome, hundreds of kilometers away possibly, is in contention for a church that he has never been to. He has a great conflict for them. What was the conflict about? What was he contending for? That they may remain rooted in Christ alone and his gospel alone and not allow all these good ideas that we are starting to come in and all the philosophies. Because when you read the book, that's what he addresses. Philosophies, ideas, worldly ways of thinking that sound religiously correct, like God helps those who help themselves. Someone quoted that as a real verse. 
days. You know the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. That's completely contrary to scripture. But these things have crept into the church and if you've found situations like that in the church today, don't assume they just started. These things have been there for a long time. So Paul is saying he's contending for them. Any gospel, gospel in quotes, that shifts the focus from Christ and his beauty and authority and what he has done for us and starts shifting the focus to you to say that you are the one who must do this and that to be in relationship with God, to obtain salvation is a false gospel. And I can tell you painfully right now that probably 80% of the church is preaching that false gospel. That's why the gospel has lost power in the world today. That's why the church is, looks like a weak institution that can just be moved left, center, and right by whoever desires. Why? We are preaching the wisdom of men and we are calling it the gospel. There is only one God and it's not you. Idolatry is when you worship idols. Okay? And the easiest idol to worship is oneself. What leads you to worshiping yourself? When you think that you are a serious contributor to your salvation story. Because it says that he who was she that was forgiven more loves more. Why don't people love God? Let me ask you who is watching me. Why don't you love God? Because you are not aware of what he has done for you. You think you're a good person. You're not a good person. You're an evil person who was saved by grace. Because the Bible says even the little good that you do, it says that it, it is he who, who both we work in us both to will, to even think, let me do the right thing. It is God, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. But we come up with all these ideas, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, the laws are here. And then when people are fully tired of the whole thing of following Jesus, they realize, wait, I'm not carrying the burden here. I could as well worship myself. That conflict has been around for a long time. It's around even now. And I can tell you that I myself have fallen into that trap many times. Of just realizing, hmm, am I putting the basis of what God does in my life on my performance or on Christ's performance? You can get to a point where you think it's the first thing you do. You might get to a point you think it's your Bible reading. It's your prayer life. It's your discipline. And guess what? Here is how you can tell. You're tired. You're tired. The joy is gone. When the joy is gone, examine the foundation. Is it still of Christ? Hallelujah. So he says, I have a great conflict. And what's the conflict about? Worldly ideas that look like the gospel starting to replace the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and salvation to those who believe. Why are we seeing not enough power in the church today? The gospel. 
when you think that God is going to heal based on your good performance, you're going to be there every time sick people come, sick people come, you're not praying for them. Why are you like, I haven't started fasting yet? Crazy. I haven't been reading my Bible yet. Or I've just been having a bad attitude. Let me tell you, it says that he who supplies the spirit, does it do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You can supply the spirit by the hearing of faith. I think this is tied into that word of wisdom I gave about cultivating your mind. You can just start right where, right there at home. These massive healings I'm talking about, don't think they are going to drop on the sky. They're going to come through your hands and through your voice. And how do you do that? Every time you lay hands on someone, see the hand of Jesus, not your hand. Every time you speak and say, arise and be healed, hear the voice of Jesus, not your voice. The contention is on, friends, for the church, for the gospel, for the power of God, for the joy of salvation to be recovered in the church. Now let me first leave Paul alone and his contentions and come back to us and ask, Paul was contending, this was a man under arrest contending for church in a different city. Let me ask you, what are you contending for? How about us? What are we contending for? Because he says, I have a great conflict for you and those in Odessa. Remember he says, I have a great conflict for your whole city because these churches were not like today's church where you have worship harvest, then you have Rolling Stones, Catch Normals, International Ministries, and then St. Gundy. Uh, no, it was one whole city was the church. And the man was like, I have a great conflict for you. I have a great conflict for those in Odyssey. Somewhere else he writes and says that of all the problems that come upon him, none weighs heavier than the care for all the churches. In other words, Paul was living for a grander dream than some of us what we are living for today. What are you conflicting for? What, where is your conflict? When we say, Mose, so you have a great conflict, what is it for? That's why in this morning, Bishri was preaching about, let's elevate ourselves from these little, little needs. For your great conflict might be for rent. School fees, like she said. You're crying in the car because they've told you you can't come in. And you had the notice that you have to pay at the beginning. But because Munang, it is bad day, I tell you, let's go and try. That's how some of us went to school. But when we allow these little things to occupy us, the boyfriend, now occupying anger, what God has in store for you. Amen. I know people are not shouting hallelujah back home right now. This, this is. Don't worry, it's good for all of us. It may lack hallelujah, but it's good for us. Amen. So what am I contending for? What is Moses Mkisa contending for? Timo, what are you contending for? What is it that, quote-unquote, keeps you awake? At night. This life is not a rehearsal. This life is the real one. Whatever it is you're contending for, whatever is keeping you awake at night, it had better be worth it. Because the more I've talked to people around me and other places, the more I discover that we, are, we have fallen for very little things. 
We are being like Esau who sold his birthright for a, a bowl of soup. Don't sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. Don't sell your birthright for a tall, handsome man who is already married to another woman. Don't sell your birthright for a little bit of money. Don't sell your birthright. Let's contend for eternal things. Hallelujah. Raise the level of your dreams. Let's raise the level of our dreams. Someone says that take care of big things and the small things will take care of themselves. If you take care of the big things, the small things will take care of themselves. If you take care of trying to employ 500 people, rate will take care of itself. Yeah. If you take care of trying to lead one million people to Christ, the loudspeakers will take care of themselves. Take care of the big stuff. Cultivate your mind. Wake up every day and say, how do I pull out my thinking by 10%? Take care of the big things. And the little things will take care of themselves. Amen, people. I know I'm super encouraging right now. (laughs) I feel it. I feel the encouragement. Matthew 6, 33. Very well known scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these little things. Like money. Like Relationships, friendships will be added to you. There are people who are so sad. Their whole thing is, I need some friends. Do you know how you make friends? Go out and do something important. I nearly said the Bible says, but it's not the Bible. Someone said that success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. Go out and succeed and see if people will not be trying to hang out with you. Yeah, if Michael Jordan came here today, everyone would want to hang with him. You don't, you you just take one selfie with him and you're like, my friend, my friend. Why, they have attained something significant. But yeah, even when we put your name in Google, nothing comes up and you're there worried about friends. If the only thing that shows up when you put your name in Google is your unique record. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're listening. It's time to elevate our thinking. Worship harvest. Africans. Church. Christians. To them, no, no, just mere existence. People are sitting in boardrooms and deciding the destinies of nations, and all you are talking about is football. If you live a dead man's life, you'll never die. That's what Jesus said. If you live a dead man's life, you'll never die. That's what Jesus desires for all of us. But for that to happen, we must elevate our level of vision. The higher you rise, watch this, the higher you rise, the bigger the horizon gets. The higher you rise, the bigger the horizon gets. For some people, 
they are in such a low state that their horizon is but as you start rising, how do you rise in your mind? As you start rising, as you start elevating, you start seeing bigger things. You start seeing bigger things. To occupy more territory, you must rise higher. I have a friend in Burundi called Claude. This guy thinks at a different level. He runs several businesses. Right now, he employs about 350 people. He thinks national transformation. He runs a banking institution that just focuses on increasing employment. So for you to get a loan from there, it's not about, I want a loan to whatever. No, no, no. How many people are you employing? The more people you employ, the better your chances of getting a loan from that institution. Because this whole thing is, let's create employment. And he's not waiting for the government to do something about it. He sees every need, every challenge, and he turns it into an employment opportunity. That's what he does. Everything, whether it's about food feeding people, whether it, he's just thinking, how do we form a company around this and employ people? When you think like that, you'll never, you'll never worry about small things. Amen. So that, that's a great conflict Paul is talking about. And I, I, I'm praying that God will give you a great conflict for something. Some of you. God needs to give you a great conflict, not for your marriage, but for people's marriages. You see, once you start minding, as a, once you start thinking, how, how, how do we help a thousand couples have awesome marriages? Yours is going to be taken care of. My money on there with your thumb and your mother, don't think my marriage, my marriage. Elevate. Vamuchinya. Elevate. Cornerstone. The weak man strong. Amen. So I told you this verse was very innocent until I started digging into it. May God give you something worth living for. Stop existing. Let's go to verse one, two to three. By the way, like up to verse 5, he's just setting the stage to say what he wants to say. So I hope we'll be able to say what he wants to say in today's message. Colossians 2, verse 2 to 3 says, so he says, let me recap from verse 1 because the sentence starts in verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and obtain and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell this one is also heavy, but let me try. So he's saying that He's, he's, he's saying that his desire is that their hearts may be encouraged. And I, I, I'm really heavy on that right now about encouragement because I know there's been a wave of discouragement. So that your heart may be encouraged, okay? Cheered, emboldened, inspired, reassured, okay? Being knit together in love 
a unity that's born of love. A unity that's born of love. For you to be united, you don't have to be right. You have to love. <laughs> love covers a multitude of sins. One young man was told by his dad when he was getting married that son, you're going to have to choose whether to be happy or right. And then he says, and today I want to tell you I'm a very happy man. <laughs> so the mistake people make in marriage is to think that marriage was created for you to be right. Remember, all your growing up, you were treated like Tolina Magezi. So finally you've found someone. Amagezi. Being right doesn't make for marriage. Marriage is not about being right. It's about love. And love covers a multitude of sins. Why should you insist that the sock was there and not there? You always put your socks there. No, the socks were there. Come on. Anyway, I, I don't want to lose my way. Because there's a big point I'm about to make. So it says, being knit together in love, attaining, this is a part, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Hmm? So he says that we can attain to, he says attaining what? Attaining, encourage being knit together in love and attaining to all riches. Attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. You know, in mathematics, slightly more complex mathematics, of used to be used to mean multiplied by. But let's do reverse engineering. Because of understanding, okay, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. So let's work it backwards. That this, the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is Christ in us, the, 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 the hope of glory, the full assurance of that understanding can lead to the attaining of all riches. There is an, there is an acquisition, there is an attaining, not riches in terms of money, that is in, that's the lowest capital in the whole thing, but attaining to all riches of the sure, full assurance of understanding, and we've been dealing with this understanding thing for some time now, full assurance of understanding, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Basically, in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, progress doesn't depend on hard work. Progress depends on revelation. The more revelation you have, the quicker you move. The more revelation you have, the quicker you move. He says in Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. How do you arise and shine? 
by your light coming, your revelation. The moment your light comes, the moment your revelation comes, you are ready to arise and shine. You are glorified based on what you know. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You're glorified based on what you know. And you might think this is not connected, but when I complete the verse in Colossians, you see the connection. The quickest way to become a loser in life is to lack revelation. It's to abandon the glorious word of the living God. It's to use all the other apps on your phone other than your version. But there is glory, there is a rising, there is a shining for those who understand that revelation is the precursor to progress in Christ, not hard work. That's why people work hard. That's why people even bring in works thinking they will attain and nothing works. It's revelation. So the full assurance of understanding is what brings the attainment to all the riches. Ah. See, see how he finishes that verse in, in, in verse 3. See what he says in verse 3. In whom, talking about Christ, in whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you know the biggest word in that verse? Hidden. Why? Why is God hiding stuff? <laughs> Give me Proverbs 25 too. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. In other words, what glorifies God is to hide it. What glorifies Timor is to find it. Because he hasn't hidden it from you, he has hidden it for you. Valuable things have to be hidden as of necessity. If I have money for Angela, I don't put it right there on the, on the northern bypass and say, wait, I've left there one billion for you. No, it has to be hidden. She has to have a, a cord where she can go to an institution with lots of concrete and then they unlock and then you get it out. And that cord, that knowledge, the cord, look, when, when you have your own money in the vault, it's together than you do. It's not hard work. No, 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 no. You just go with a phone number code, like this is the code. Uh-huh. Access to all riches. Knowledge. I know I'm preaching like several messages in one today. And Bible. My role is to teach it. So God is glorified in hiding it. You are glorified in searching for and finding it. And the reason your life is the way it is is because you gave up on the search. If you want to recover your life, get back to searching out a matter. What makes you a king is your capacity to search. It's the glory of what? Kings. Everyone says, yeah, we are kings and priests. Kings and priests. That's only a name. In reality, what turns your name, your just position of being a king and priest to a reality of being king and priest is your capacity to search out the matter. Yes. If you stopped searching, you're just going to be king and priest in name, not in reality. Amen. I'm preaching better than you are listening, but it's all right with me. It's time to get back to search. Searching out the matter. When you say, seek my face, my heart say to you, Lord, your face, I'll seek. Verse 4 to 5. Verse 4 to 5. 
I think we have finally reached what he wants to say, yeah. So that was preamble. Great conflict I have for you, those in law this year, confusion coming to the church, people need to get back to the mulamwa, and I want you to attain to the full assurance of understanding. Christ keeps taking us back to Christ and says, Omani Uganda, Uganda kutekamuko some little work, like every valuable thing. You put some little work in searching out the wisdom. Because Christ has become for us wisdom. But wisdom neglected is wisdom unutilized. Amen. Okay. Now let's get into what he wanted to say. I hope I hope I'm there. No, we are not yet there. We are still laying the foundation. Because see, so he says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Mama. Anyway, I'll make it. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So you see, he starts by saying, now this I say. Now, what that this I say that he's saying is going to come in verse 6. So for now, just understand we are still creating the gamma in which we are going to pour the buji. Okay, so buji is verse 6 onwards, but we have to do the nice house of plastics thing. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasion. In other words, you are available to be deceived. You are about to be deceived because based on what Epaphras has told Paul, he already knows these people are being what? Deceived. And he's saying, now I'm saying this to counter the deception coming your way. In other words, if I don't say it, you'll be deceived. Or you will be deceived and think that the lie you have is the truth. So I'm going to say it. Now, he hasn't yet said it. So we are coming to that part. But there is also much to learn from this part. It says, lest anyone should deceive you with what? Persuasive words. When you're going to be deceived, eh? liars don't, they are not obvious. Even when the devil is going to deceive you, <laughs> he doesn't just go and say the devil can't come and just tell you tomorrow you're a tiger <laughs> be like now eh? <laughs> you see I asked to persuade you come here that close it comes close like I can't come and tell Timo, I'm God I am God I created the universe you get <laughs> be like Mose but people can use persuasion. That's why people end up believing that people are God. And they, they really worship a human being. It didn't start obviously. Kajampola, persuasion. Kalimi. Kalimi. Lest anyone should deceive you with what? Persuasive words. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, a little bit more. Actually, I can persuasion. Persuasive words. This is, this I say, listen, I should deceive you with persuasive words. Liars don't lie blatantly. No, 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 no. There is like 95% truth and 5% lie. 
when you're going, poison is not presented as poison into gue, poison eat. No, 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 no. But you think you're eating katogokumbe, it's laced with what? Poison. I, I, I remember this joke. Sunday school teacher asked a young, a young boy, what is a lie? That <laughs> stood up stiff and said, Allah is an abomination to God as well as present help in times of need. <laughs> That's a joke, okay? But lest anyone persuades you, this is the dilemma for us pastors. Because we have sheep eh, that are drinking from all sorts of streams and eating from all kinds of what? Pastures. And yet, we retain the responsibility for the outcome. We retain the responsibility for their growth and protection. Then when you're in trouble, you don't go to them. Who you were neglecting? to listen to, now I have to mop up your pool. So it's, it's, it's a bit difficult. Nabagambia, my preaching today is of Christ. I'm not placating any political positions. That's why, that's why Paul says, I'm contending for you guys. I'm contending for you guys. You received the truth. He writes to the Galatians and says, Who bewitched you? Like, I, I, I taught you the right thing. Why are you letting this stuff in? And those who are not pastors, you will never understand this thing. When someone completely believes a lie and falls for it, and, and then... They only call you. Your phone becomes important only at the time of remedial things. Walinga, they are high flying in their chaos and, and deception. Your phone is not useful. It's until now you have to recover them. Listen, let, let me tell you. I, I read Paul quite a bit and I feel the pain. Let me, let me, and I know in this studio audience there are pastors, so let's share this pain with you listeners. Because this is, I'm saying this because you're going to be deceived. You're going to be deceived, my son. You're going to be deceived, my daughter. Please listen. And they're like, ah, there's a more exciting thing here. There's a, something going on. Yeah, gwee, gwee, gwee. Bagenda kupaza. Bagenda kutomera. Listen to these words of a dishonored spiritual parent. Galatians 4, 11, 17. Paul writes and says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first, and my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and give them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously caught you, but not for good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. 
This is a very interesting scripture and it's connected to what we are talking about. There are people who are going to come and give you the Kool-Aid of the gospel. And what it ends up doing is it, become, it makes you dependent on them, not on Christ and on his word. Just come and I wave my hand over you and all your stupidity will leave you. Okay, sufficiency of that. Please wave. And now you are no longer searching the scriptures. Now you are no longer standing on Christ. Now you are no longer dreaming the big dreams that God has for you. They want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. Exclude you from what? From the gospel. Once I exclude you from the gospel, you are now dependent on me. What I tell you is your new truth. It's no longer what Jesus is saying. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, 19 to 21. So Paul is writing to these guys. They are challenging his authority. What? Because, you see, Paul's problem was this. He was a man of God. But then he lived an ordinary life. Huh? He would come, get a job, work like everyone else, be among them, cry with them when they cried. He never excluded them himself and made himself look like he was special. When they performed miracles and they were going to worship them, he would, they ran in among them and tore their clothes with Barnabas and said, no, 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 we are ordinary men like you. And now these Corinthians, they had found people who were more presentable than Paul. So they're like, our guy are a little ordinary. We need something special. Anyway, so you see what he tells them. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you. In other words, and we are laying it up for you like Paul writes and says that it is the parents' responsibility to lay it up for the children. You prefer to go to those who will manipulate you with all sorts of tactics. If one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, I don't know if this is something you've seen. I don't know if I'm talking about Ebitalio. Remember, we are contending for you. Like Paul was contending for the Colossians. And I'm bringing out examples of even Paul had these issues. You read Paul and you think, everyone should be respecting this guy. No! He also had these people who were like, uh, Paul, Matida. Never mind, there's no preach to them, the gospel. Rather, But, he says, if one strikes you on the face, watch this next sign. So, 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 so cool. So, to our shame, I said that we were too weak for that. We were too weak for that. We were too weak to elevate ourselves and make ourselves look like men of God, and you are not. But in whatever everyone is bored, I speak foolishly and bored also. Let's continue. So he says, This I say, this I should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Amen. So he says, I'm absent in the flesh, but doesn't mean I'm not present in the spirit. And I, I, this is very important. He says, I'm rejoicing to see your good order. This is a man who is hundreds of miles away. Why is he calling them to order? 
Okay. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. You see, this is an interesting thing about when instead of topical preaching, like I can preach about money for a whole year. Like when we choose to go verse by verse. Because I, I have to bring out all the ugly stuff in the word when it comes out. That's the beauty about the Bible. The beauty about the Bible is that they don't hide anything. Everything is there. Incest, murder. Uh, eh, eh? Like people who say the Bible is forged. If I was God, okay, if, if, if I was forging the Bible, there are things I would clearly not put in there. I want it to be presented like the word of God. I wouldn't put all that David stuff and Bathsheba and Judas Iscariot. I wouldn't put all that stuff. Judas is Julius now. <laughs> are you still with me? GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. So he says, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order. This part opened my eyes. You know what, guys? I have a proposition. We are going to finish this sermon next Sunday. Yes. Because the part that he says, the things he says, we haven't reached yet. So today, foundation next Sunday walls and, and, and what? And, 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 and roof. He says, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Okay? Remember, guys, remember where the conversation started? These people received the gospel, things were okay. People came, came and brought their ideas which divert people's attention from Christ to other things that they must do to have a relationship with God. So Paul is writing back saying, you are being deceived. I'm within the spirit. And what makes me rejoice is to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. Today is one of the most important messages I've preached. And it's one of the most important messages I will preach this series. And it's also going to be one of the least popular. So what births this disorder is when uh, rather, what, what creates the deception is when people undercut the order. You, you, you click, eh? So because the church in Colossae had leadership so where did these people who were introducing these other things? Let me put a little gap and jump onto another block here so that we don't get lost in that. But I want you to see this. I want you to know that heaven is a very orderly place. Very orderly. See, when you read Revelation, all those 12 gates, 12 foundations, what, the new heaven descending down on the new earth, heaven is super orderly. Heaven is so orderly that many Christians would find it super uncomfortable. Yeah. Many of you are going to find heaven very... Because you, you're used to chaos. Your, your whole way of living is the chaotic method. Everywhere you go, God has created order. So think about it. In heaven, you don't just show up and do whatever you want. There is order. 
So there is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The three are one. And then there is hierarchy. Did you know there is hierarchy in heaven? There are archangels. Then there are angels. Even among those angels, they are separated into sections. There are seraphims. There are cherubims. They, don't, they all don't do the same thing. Heaven is super orderly. Very orderly. And because, and, but because we live in democratic societies or quasi-democratic societies, we've been sold the idea that democracy is a heavenly what? Idea. Do you know how I know democracy is not a heavenly idea? There is no record of an election in heaven. There is no record of an election in heaven. I told you this is going to be one of the most important messages, but one of the least popular. So there no election in heaven. No, the only record we have in heaven of people contending for positions that are not theirs is Lucifer wanting to take God's place. And do you know what happened? All hell broke loose. Let me explain to you, because someone might be thinking, now I'm now talking about dictatorship. No, no, no. Heaven operates on a culture of honor and servanthood. Angela, come. Culture of honor and servanthood. This is how heaven operates. There, there are several parties in heaven, okay? I'm older than you, so we are going to assume I'm the higher authorities, authorities will look at the top. So you see, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are never in contention with one another. Ever. And everyone knows their place. The Son, the Son, Jesus is as God, as much God as the Father is and as the Spirit is. But Jesus had never, has never claimed to take the position of the Father. The Holy Spirit has never claimed to take the position of the Son. No angel, no archangel in their right mind has ever claimed to take the position of the Son or of the Holy Spirit or of the Father. People, when people bowed to worship angels, they would say, eh, don't. don't. That is reserved for only one. And what do we do today? But here is what happens. And Jesus demonstrated this when he washed their feet. And, and the way he asks us to, that the Bible teaches us to honor. In the heavenly and I'm going to use this example because Angela is my friend. Is my friend. She's also my spiritual daughter. Even though we are Azifu friends. But in, what happens in that sort of thing is those who have responsibility over others, they have to be sworn to service. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's why if you want to be great in God's kingdom, what you have to be a servant of all. You can't, uh, in other, you can't lead any people that you're not willing to serve. Mm. That is the currency for leadership. And what does service require? You lower yourself. 
So you're, 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 you are exalted in your position, but in your function, you know yourself. And then those who are led, what are they called to do? To, to honor. Yes. They are called to honor. So, it is like that. Those who lead are to serve. Those who are led are to honor. And that's what, that's what the good order looks like. Now, let me tell you what hell looks like. This is hell. Hell is when those who lead are serving themselves. They use their influence, their resources, everything for self-service while those who are led act in dishonor. They are given, they are committed to dishonoring. That's right there is a picture of hell. Don't go away. In fact, band, what did you tell Bombastic. Please come. Because, yeah, let's finish. But now get Angela, come. I need to finish this example. So, service, honor. Service, honor. And the point is that for all of us, wherever you are, whether that's in a family, in a church, in a business, in a national leadership, as a member of parliament, whatever it is, those things don't change. Everywhere you are, you are in a position where you have to serve some people and you have to honor some people. That's the tension most people fail to manage. And understand there are people to whom honor is due. Uh, due means like rent, tona sasula. So, it's you, you have to give it. And, and then there are those to whom service is required. And anytime any of these two parties renege on that premise, and the one who is supposed to serve says, I, I need first take care of my staff here. And then who owner says, <laughs> then life becomes very difficult. Yeah. Let me demonstrate something. Come this side. Let me demonstrate something else. Auntie, there will be a demonstration. So, so that's heaven, okay? So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. You have to understand what you're praying for. You're, you're praying for this good order yes. to be established. And some people might be watching me and saying, should he be talking about that? <laughs> Don't worry. The second concept is, in this heavenly order, there's singular headship and plural leadership. Does that make sense? Singular headship Plural leadership. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They all lead together. But the head is the Father. I bow my knees to the Father of all glory from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Singular headship. 
Since Jeremy is here, Jeremy, can you run up here quickly? Singular headship, plural leadership. What happens in all those institutions that claim to be copying the patterns of heaven? Come this side of P3. They have to embrace that idea. Let me start at the smallest institution, the family. I told you today I'm going to say things that will not be very popular. In the family, the way God created family on earth, there is singular headship and plural leadership. So you see, what does the father say? Let us make man in our own image. Let us go down and give them several languages. Let us. God is always consulting the father and the son, rather the son and the Holy Spirit, but the son and the Holy Spirit are never the father. He consults you about matters to do with your household, but you are not the head of that house. And there is enough pain that crosses generations, even now, even now, that you, even those who are listening to me, if you don't heed this wisdom, you're going to carry on for hundreds of years downstream if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Now, unfortunately, today's world, so many things happen, and you have families that are led by single parents. Yes. Families that are led by single parents, now they have the burden of singular headship and singular leadership, and that's painful. Do you know how I know? My dad was shot dead when I was eight years old. And for the next four years, every calamity you could think about happened to our family. Every year from that. Yeah, he was killed. 84, 85, something bad. I bet 86, 87, culminating to the killing of my eldest brother. All hell broke loose because now my dad was gone and my mom was singular headship, singular leadership. Hallelujah. Yes. Shakama. Are we together? We are together. So in heaven, singular headship, Father, plural leadership, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, plural leadership, archangels, Michael, whatever, and all those other angels, layers of order. There is order. Heaven is an orderly place. Now, because we are running out of time, bring bring the, the example that is relevant in the scripture that Paul is addressing, and then I bring up other examples. I wanted to start with one that touches home the most. But he's addressing the issue of the church. He's addressing order in the church. How did deception come in? People circumnavigated order. Every time you circumnavigate order in the church, deception comes. The church has singular, even church on earth, singular headship, plural leadership. You see all these people we lead together in this church as a team. So I don't do things without consulting them. But the back stays with me. Okay? So what people do, they go to churches and then like, in this church we need to do this. We need to do that. They start coming up with ideas of things they want to do in those churches. And before you know it, deception comes. People are deceived. People are being told things about people that they ha- don't have a personal relationship with and they've never even checked and said, they said this about you, is it true? Mm-hmm. Why? They were deceived. The moment, you see, 
The moment Adam and Eve, the deception, deception will kill the good things you're doing. That's why he says, I tell you this, lest you are deceived by persuasive words. Singular headship, plural leadership. That's how the church operates. There's a pastor or a prophet or apostle, whatever your title you call your church leader, because I know it's not just worship harvest people watching this. Please do not bring distress to whatever church you go to by starting to make assumptions about your place. When you pray, <laughs> I told you it's very, not a very popular message today. Singular headship, plural leadership. Start introducing voting in the church. The devil tried voting. He got a third of the votes. They ended up in a deep pit. Singular headship, plural leadership. Uh, what else do I want? So, like, you can have that person or whether whatever role they have, and then there are elders. And then there is a pastoral team, and there are people who work with that. Let's, let's take this to business. Okay? Do you know businesses that don't succeed? Singular headship, singular leadership. You may call the decision until you make a lousy city decision that takes the whole business down. Where was the board? Businesses have founders and board members. Singular headship, plural leadership. Nations have presidents, prime ministers, whatever. Queens, and then they have ministers, cabinet, councils, parliaments, judiciary, singular headship, plural leadership. Since I can't yet get to the other thing Paul wanted to say, I will stop here. Take this as your lesson for today. Singular headship, plural leadership, lest you're deceived. In your home, in your business, in your church, in your nation, it doesn't matter how much you don't like the president and his policies. The constitution appoints him to be the head, the, they say the fountain of honor, head of state. So while you disagree, you remain what? Honorable. You disagree honorably. You're like, Kale Sikirizana president. What? Honor is intact. When you, do you guys agree on everything at your house? No, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to check because you guys are like angels, but wow. yes. So do you go ahead and dishonor him because you don't agree? Eh, no. You start talking to your friends about Ogusajja going to me. Ogusajja. Hey, these are conversations Balanko they have. Ogusajja. They call their husbands Ogusajja and then they come for prayer. Mm. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Singular headship. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. Let's close this service. Thank you for staying through this message. Even me, I didn't feel it easy, but that's the commitment we make when we make the commitment to teach the word of God in its entirety, verse by verse, through the book of Colossians. There are going to be some very uncomfortable bits. You'll get used to them. You'll need to work with them, including today's. So, it says, I'm present in the flesh, present in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, steadfastness of your faith, full assurance of understanding. There's a victory that God has for us. 
but we keep compromising it when we don't make Christ the head. Because that's the other part. Christ, when it comes to the church, when it comes to, when it comes to the universe, God is the head. When it comes to the church, God has delegated that leadership to his son, Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the church and from him all things flow. He fills all things by himself. He's available for us. He has victory designed for us. We are designed to win. But when we lack understanding and revelation and we adopt worldly thoughts and methods and thinking that the way to get your way is to fight, we're going to fight it. You fight, you fight, you fight, you end up with nothing instead of just following the heavenly order. Who do you need to serve leaders? Who do we need to serve? Who do you need to honor? Because all of you are leaders. I know there are people you need to serve. There are people you need to honor. Children, there are people you need to honor. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your righteous father and mother. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.